Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. God's fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Uh, Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. The weekend wager with Anita Marks starts now. That's right, it's Weekend Wager here on 98.7 ESPN, brought to you by BetMGM Sports. Enough talk, believe in your game, believe in your bet, BetMGM Sports. I always like to start the 7 o'clock hour getting right into my Major League Baseball picks. You've got the Yankees and the Cubs. First pitch is at 7.05, so you got three minutes. Not sure if you've got that BetMGM app uh, handy on your phone. Believe it or not, I like the Cubs on the run line. You can get them plus one and a half at even money. Um, you know, they've got Miley back on the bump. That Southpaw, of course, he was dealing with some elbow injury. And uh, and two weeks he was off because of a shoulder. Um, but he, he really can limit the hard hitting that we've seen the Yankees put together night in and night out. Keep the ball in the ballpark. Also, uh, this is a Cubs team that can hit against right-handed pitchers. No offense with Severino. As we know, he's 4-1 and one with a two nine five ERA. Um, and, uh, and the Cubs bullpen is quite good. So, uh, so my play in that Yankees game, again, first pitch is in just about two, two minutes. If you can get this bet in, uh, Cubs plus one and a half, uh, and that is, uh, that's on the run line and you could get that at, at even money. They start a three game series, of course, against the Cubs. Uh, you know, really interesting in regard to the series against the twins, right? Like granted, it, this is a Yankees team. They walked away two one in that series, but uh, you, you have to walk away watching that series, kind of scratching your head a little bit. The fact that the twins were able to score 19 runs, uh, Cole giving up three home runs in the first three batters, five total. And, uh, and Nestor as well, giving up seven hits and four runs. You kind of wonder, uh, did that twins, um, scouting department see something that maybe other Major League Baseball teams have not seen and, uh, and were the Yankees a little exposed. Of course, only time will tell. Their schedule, of course, we've got three games against the Cubs uh, today and, and, of course, throughout the weekend. And then they take on the Rays. They're at Toronto. Blue Jays are starting to wake up a little bit. Uh, and then, of course, at Tampa Bay and then again at Houston. So uh, Cubs, Rays, Toronto, uh, Rays twice, once here again away in Houston. That's the schedule for the Yankees coming your way throughout the, re- the, the remainder of, uh, of June. Uh, batters, third best on-base percentage for the Yankees um, in Major League Baseball. And, of course, we know Judge, 22 home runs, 45 RBIs. But, again, Miley back in action for the Cubs. So uh, I think this is going to be a lot closer than what most people think. So, again, I like the Cubs on the run line, and you can get that at even money. As for the Mets, uh, that first pitch is a little bit later on this evening at 9.38 p.m., and uh, you got Miguel back in action for the Mets coming off of IL. He hasn't pitched since May 11th. He's got a 4-4-1 ERA. Meanwhile, for the Angels, they had a horrible stint, if you recall, 
uh, especially Trout was, uh, I want to say at at one point in time, right? Oh, and 26 at the plate. But, um, but since then they have, uh, they've turned it around a little bit. Now, listen, their last 10 games, one in nine, they've got a one, nine, one batting average. Their E their, their collective ERA is five Oh eight. Um, they've got a negative 31 run differential in their last 10 games. Uh, but this is going to be a bullpen game tonight. You've got Diaz going, maybe he goes five innings for the angels. They're going to tap into that bullpen. Um, it's, uh, it's the fourth best bullpen in Major League Baseball, and they're hoping to get Trout back tonight. So, again, I'm going to play the Angels on the money line. I think the Angels actually beat the Mets tonight. No Pete Alonso, no Marte, of course. And uh, and this is an Angels team that uh, Diaz, he's a left-handed pitcher, and as we know, the Mets pretty much struggle against left-handed pitching. And, of course, they've got a lot of guys uh, that are not going to be, as I like to call it, active and attractive tonight. So, unfortunately for Yankees and Mets fans, I hate to say it, I'm going the opposite direction. Again, like I said, the Cubs uh, on the run line at even money. I'm going to take the Angels on the money line at plus 110. And so that's how I'm playing the two the two New York games tonight. Uh, you've got the, you've got the Yankees already in action. Not sure. Maybe it's a little bit too late to jump on that, but the Mets, that first pitch is at nine 38. Also in about five minutes, this is probably my favorite play. And this is the blue Jays. They're going up against uh, the Detroit Tigers. I do like the blue Jays on the run line. It's minus one. It's minus one and a half. And you can get that at minus one thirty. Um, they, obviously have been turning around as of late but more importantly the reason I like this game is they have um Rodriguez the the Detroit Tigers has Rodriguez on the bump rookie of course Yankee fans if you recall Yankees pretty much just shelled him out uh gave up 11 hits 10 runs against the Yankees that was his last outing now he has to go against the Blue Jays so I do like the Blue Jays again I'm going to play them on the run line at minus 130 um, I'm also going to play Rodriguez giving up over five and a half hits at plus 125. And I'm also going to play Vlad um, to get a hit, um, to, to get two hits, that is, at, uh, at, at plus at, at two and a half. It's, it's plus 205. And also I'm going to play, I'm going to play Vlad, to hit, Vlad to hit a home run at plus 295. So just a few plays there. Also, one last Major League Baseball play for you. And again, just trying to get this ma- these Major League Baseball plays out uh, because I do want to turn our attention, our focus on what's going on with the NBA. Of course, uh, you've got the Warriors-Celtics game right here on 90.7 ESPN coming your way at 9 o'clock. So I'm with you until 9, leading into that game. Nick Friedel is going to join us at 8.30. Uh, we'll have picks and plays for you. All kinds of picks and plays, not just game picks, series picks, uh, prop bet picks. We'll have all of it for you this hour. And then, of course, we got the Belmont here in our own backyard coming your way. Dan Torgman from America's Best Racing is going to join me at 8 o'clock. Uh, and then uh, David Behrman. I like to call him uh, <laughs> our gatekeeper of all things gambling at ESPN. He's going to join me. We'll talk uh, about the Canadian Open that's taking place right now, the U.S. Open that starts on Thursday, as well as some more NBA plays from our ESPN Chalk column. So jam-packed show. We'll open up the phone lines, 800-919-3776. We'll take your calls. We'll talk a little bit about the Rangers. There's some plays out there right now that you can make heading into tomorrow's game. So a lot going on. But uh, but two more, really one more play that I'm, I'm, I'm going to make tonight. 
uh, in regard to Major League Baseball, and that is uh, you've got the Dodgers going up against the Giants tonight. Bueller pretty much owns the Giants. Um, he is 7-1 with a 2.55 ERA against the Giants, uh, and also great on the road. He's 4-0 with a 1.67 ERA on the road. So combined, I really like Bueller tonight. I have him getting the win at plus 120, and also Musgrove is uh, is dealing tonight for the Padres. 6-0 with a 1-6-4 ERA. So uh, chances are, you know, he's just, he, he's, he's been lights out. He's been just so tremendous. So, uh, and he's going up against the Rockies. And they're not in Colorado. They're in San Diego. He's 6-0 and with a 1-6-4 ERA. I've got him to get the win at minus 110. So this is what I'm doing. I'm playing this as a two-way parlay. So you can play it that Musgrove is going to get the win against the Rockies. You can play it that Bueller is going to get the win against the Giants. And that parlay is plus 320. And those games start a little bit later on this this evening. So the Padres game, that first pitch is at 940. Uh, The Dodgers' first pitch is at 1015. So a lot of of Major League Baseball plays for you today. Um, You know, I did a deep dive this afternoon, and uh, there was quite a few plays that I really liked. So, uh, so take advantage of those for sure. 800-919-3776 is Anita. Um, with you tonight. I'm with you until 9 o'clock. We'll take your calls. We'll come back. Let's dive into this NBA series. As we know, man, crucial, crucial game uh, for the Golden State Warriors, especially the latest with Curry and his foot injury. What can we realisti- realistically expect from Curry tonight? Who needs to step up for the Golden State Warriors Uh, Where are they struggling? Where and how has Boston been so dominant? We will, I I will dive into all of this when we get back. Again, Anita Marks with you here on 98.7 ESPN. He's going to have to be Steph tonight, though, because he is there far and away the most prolific offensive player in this series. He's he's averaging 31 points a game, and he's going to need to be light on his feet because only one free throw in game three, that's not going to get it done. He is going to have to take advantage of the space that the Celtics have been giving him, try to create some contact, try to apply some more pressure. It's hard to say that Steph Curry needs to do more because it's because it's not like he's not doing anything, but I think for this for the Celtics to, uh, to have any problems with the Warriors on offense, it's going to take more from Curry. That is Brian uh, Winhurst, of course, uh, breaking it down for us, talking about Steph Curry and uh, what's going on with his uh, his foot injury. Anita Marks with you. It is We Can Wager here on 98.7 ESPN, 800-919-3776. Even though it's a gambling show, we'd like to take calls. We'd like to get, hear your thoughts. Um, you know, you're going to be able to watch, or not watch, but listen to uh, this uh, this Celtics Warriors game right here at 98.7 ESPN coming your way at nine o'clock. Hopefully we're, we're getting you ready, not just on the gambling aspect, but everything uh, pertaining to uh, this matchup. So as we know, the Warriors in Boston tonight, Boston leads the series right now two one. Now heading into this series, um, I was all about the Golden State Warriors and in full transparency here, I really like the Boston Celtics and I have for quite a while, even once once they were able to, uh, to, to get Derek White before the trade deadline, I, I thought that was one of the best pickups um, prior to the, the, the trade deadline. And, it, and, it, and it, really, it, it really panned out for them because if you, you know, that Bucks series, the Heat series, you've got Robert Williams who's dealing with a knee injury. 
He had meniscus surgery. I think that's going to come into play tonight. I'll get to, I'll get into that in just a second. Uh, Marcus Smart had some injuries, and so the depth that they were able to create with the addition of White it really really showed through in in the postseason. So I thought that was really key, and um, and I felt really I, I felt good, and and I. I wagered that Boston was going to win the series against the Heat, and sure enough, they did. So I'm playing with house money right now. But when this series began, when the, when, when the final series began, um, I put money on the Golden State Warriors to win, and I also put money on, on Steph Curry to win the MVP. Why? I felt Curry was the best player on the court, with all due respect to Tatum and, and, and Jalen Brown and, and, and the other cast and crew that, that of course, suit up each and every night. Um, I'm sure that a number of people would agree, agree with me, just, just how prolific, how phenomenal uh, Curry is, um, number one. And number two, home court advantage. Uh, this, was a, uh, this was a Golden State Warriors team that they just, they, they just don't lose at the Chase Center. It's just, it's not, it's just not what they do. So um, home court advantage, Curry being the best player um, on the court. Also, I felt the rest advantage for uh, for the Golden State Warriors was going to be a factor. Keep in mind, Boston went the distance, not just with the Heat, but also with the Bucks. So I felt that Boston was going to run out of some gas. So I was all about the Golden State Warriors, all about Curry. I'm dancing to the beat of a different drum right now, and and two reasons, and and opposite of all the reasons why I took the Warriors in Curry in the first place, and that is they no longer have home court advantage. <laughs> Number one and number two, Curry's not is not going to be a hundred percent. He's just not. We heard from Brian just a second ago before you know as as we came in from from break. Um, I've been texting with a f- few folks. I was on Daily Wager earlier today. Um, heard from Tim Bot- Bontemps, and um, and he was talking about how uh, Curry is is co- he used the word compromised. Now this is a Warriors team. They haven't been able to beat the Boston Celtics even with a hundred percent healthy. Curry, big reason there as well is because the you know the the the, the big three and that's Clay and, and Draymond Green have not been contributing like they normally do. Uh, Clay is having a very off series here. I don't know what the heck's going on with Draymond Green. I, I mean, I just I think he's absolutely out of control. He's got fir- fifteen personal fouls in this series already in just three games. Um, so and and I understand that he's trying to create this element. Of uh, this, uh, and dare I go back to the you know the bad boy days of the Detroit Pistons? I, I don't. I, am I am I am I going too far back in time? Possibly, but I get what he's trying to create. But I think he's hurting the team more than helping the team because I do believe it's over the top. Again, fifteen personal fouls for Draymond Green. Porter is going to be questionable tonight. That's a big deal. Even though he is, you know, a uh, a supporting cast member with that lineup for the Golden State Warriors, still what he's able to contribute some big concerns there. So Curry not being a hundred percent, the Golden State Warriors no longer having home court advantage. Um, Draymond Green acting a fool, Porter being questionable, Clay being off. I just, you know, at, at some point in time, like, you know, I could sit here and, and I could cut off my nose despite my face. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to eat crow. I'm going to try to break even. And so I'm going on the opposite side here. So I, I'm going I'm to lay the points with Boston at minus four. I'm also going to play the under at 214, 214 and a half in some places. Why? 
Well, again, Curry, not 100%. Is he going to play all 40 minutes? I don't think he will. Um, you know, how, how productive is he going to be shooting the ball? If, if I play a lot of hoops. I'm sure there's people out there listening who play a lot of pickup basketball. You know how important your legs, your knees, your feet are in regard to, you know, getting that leverage and getting that shot off. And, and I do believe that we're going to see a lot better defense on both sides of the court, especially with the Golden State Warriors. Now, Boston had 22 second-chance points last game from 15 offensive rebounds. Just marinating that for a minute. 22 second-chance points on 15 offensive rebounds. That can't happen. So I'm expecting a better and bigger defensive performance from uh, the Golden State Warriors tonight. So again, Curry being injured, better defense. I'm playing the under at 214, 214 and a half. Um, also, I'm going to lay the points with Boston at minus four. Here's an interest, is interesting stat I came across. Get this. Turnovers are key. When Boston has 15 or more turnovers in a game, they're 0-5. When they have less than 15 turnovers in a game, they're 14 and two. Just marinating that in regard to what a, what a big swing and what a huge differential that is pertaining to turnovers. It's huge. So I think Boston's going to take care of the ball tonight. Obviously, with those statistics, we're talking about them. I'm sure that their stat department is telling them about them. They know how important protecting the ball is, especially tonight. And here's an even better one for you. I'm going to play Boston in the second quarter at minus one and a half, and you can get that at plus 105. You're saying to yourself, okay, Anita, why the second quarter? Well, as great as the Golden State Warriors are in the third quarter, so Golden State Warriors pretty much dominate the third quarter, and it's not just against Boston. It's just it's, it's, it's across the board. And, and, you know, want to give credit to Kerr? That's fine. Um, but this is a Golden State Warriors team. They just they pride themselves on coming into the third quarter and dominating the game. And in this series, Boston is negative 45-point differential in the third quarter against the Golden State Warriors. Golden State just dominates, and that's typical with the third quarter. However, the Boston Celtics are really great in the first half, let alone the second quarter. They are plus 70, <clears throat> excuse me, they, are, they have a plus 70 point differential in the second quarter. They're 14-6-1. <clears throat> so I'm going to play Boston in the second quarter again. I'm gonna, I'll lay the minus one and a half, and you could get that at plus 105. It's probably one of my favorite bets. So that's how I'm playing the game itself. Boston laying the points at four. Boston second quarter at minus one, 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 one and a half. And I'm playing the under at 214, 214 and a half. Now, how am I playing this series? As I said just a second ago, like, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things, right? Like if you're wrong, say you're wrong. I, I don't have a problem saying I'm wrong. I was wrong. Now, a lot of this is, is it, you know, this is, this is sport. This is why we watch. This is why we gamble, right? Like, I anticipated the Golden State Warriors to maintain home court advantage. They lost it by going 1-1. Did not anticipate Curry to get injured, but it's a sport. It's basketball. It happens. He got injured. So where do I stand right now? Again, I was all about the Warriors. I bet them to win the series. I also bet Curry um, to win the MVP. 
So again, I'm looking to just break even. So now the odds of the Celtics winning the series is minus 205. It's just, it's too much juice. I'm not going to lay it. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to play the Celtics to win the series in five. That's how I'm playing this. The Celtics to win the series in five. This is what I think happens. I think the Celtics win tonight. And then I think they close it out in game five. I think they go, I think the Celtics go four and one. And I think they close it out. So I'm going to bet the, I'm going to bet the Celtics to win the series five, one. And I'm also going to play Jason Tatum to win the MVP at plus 105. And again, for all the reasons that we've just been talking about for uh, the last 15 minutes, no home, no, losing home court advantage for the Golden State Warriors, Curry not being 100%, Draymond Green out of control, acting a fool, whatever's going on. And let's give credit where credit's due in regard to the Boston Celtics. Like they're just, they're, they're just more physical. They're more physical. They're playing better defense. Just across the board, they're just they're they're longer, they're more athletic, and I, you know, I, like, do they want it more? I, I can sit here and say they. It seems like they do. And again, not to take anything away from 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 the Golden State Warriors, but where's Pool? Where's Pool been? Where, where's where's Clay hitting those threes? Right? Draymond Green's averaging two, four points a game. What's that? It's just, um, it, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's not the Golden State Warrior team that I was anticipating uh, to come into this series. Just not. So, um, so I, again, I'm eating crow here and, uh, I'm, I'm, you want to call it some humble pie? I don't. I, I don't know. I, just being transparent, and I'm. I'm gonna zig when most people zag. I know it's hard sometimes for people. All right, listen. This is the bet I made. This is the team I thought was gonna win. But at some point in time, you know, like writing's on the wall. Writing's on the wall. It's. It's just. It's just too obvious. Uh, the, the sad state of affairs of what's happened here, especially when you're talking about uh, the player that that stirs the drink for the Golden State Warriors. And granted, listen, they're saying that he's going to play. He said he's going to play. It's not the, it's not the issue. Okay, Curry's going to play. But what, what Curry are we going to get tonight? Right? 800-919-3776. Curious. What, what, what Steph Curry do you think we're going to get tonight? I think he's going to be a shell of himself. And here's another thing. We, we talk all the time in regard to what Steph Curry means on the offensive side of the ball um, for the Golden State Warriors. But Kerr alluded to just how important he is on the defensive side of the ball. So what does that mean? If he's, he's, if he's, not, he's not able to contribute, and, and we don't know. Of course, we're, we're assuming here, right, um, that he's going to be, quote-unquote, compromised offensively. Same thing defensively. So that's going to open up an opportunity for a lot of these Boston Celtics players uh, to, to score. So... Um, Again, I'm, I'm, I'm playing the Celtics to win the series in five, and I'm also playing Jason Tatum to win the MVP. So uh, change of events for me here on 98.7 ESPN. Welcome back to 98.7 ESPN. Anita Marks with you tonight all the way up to tip off for, of course, uh, the Boston Celtics-Golden State Warriors game. Nick Fidel joins us now to break it all down. 
Nick, man, I am eating crow. I was on Daily Wager earlier today. <laughs> I like I had my money on the Golden State Warriors to win the series, uh, Curry to win the MVP. Um, I'm just trying to break even now. I, now I've got Boston in five. I've got Tatum to win the MVP. I just want to break even, dude. So <laughs> with that being said, let's start first things first. Um, what do you know? What can you tell us about Curry's injury? I think it's going to limit him a little bit, Anita. And with Steph and, and these ankle and foot issues that he's dealt with through the years, what's something to really keep an eye on tonight is even if he starts well and he comes out and he's moving all right, the Warriors need him to play 40-plus minutes. So just because he looks okay early, if he does, doesn't mean that that's going to hold up for two and a half hours of a game. So I know he's going to be out there. I know he's going to give whatever he has left in there. But if you're the Warriors and you got a great Steph game the other night and you got a really good clay game the other night, and then Steph gets hurt at the end and you still didn't win. You just have got to feel not so great going into this one. So as far as Steph goes, I would expect him to be out there a lot. But I know how much they always keep an eye on him. It will be even more pronounced over the next few hours. I hear you. We had uh, Tim Botemps on, our, on, on Daily Wager earlier today. He used the word compromised. When it came to Curry, uh, uh, you know, another thing, and, and I was listening to uh, Kerr for his press, press, uh, post-game press conference the other day. You know, we spend so much energy focusing on what Curry does on the offensive side of the ball that I think we just lose track, like, what he does defensively. So, yeah, I, I think this is twofolds, right? Like, um, A, you know, what, what it, will he be able to play 40 minutes? I don't believe so. Uh, you know, will this this injury and it's this it's 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 the same leg, it's the same foot that he had the injury on before. He he mentioned that in his post game press conference, or his pre game press conference yesterday. But on the defensive side of the ball, listen, this is a this is a Boston Celtics team. These these dudes have been balling, and un- unfortunately, coming in the Golden State Warriors and and the the Boston Celtics top two in defensive efficiency. But you wouldn't know it by the way that Golden State's been playing defense, right? Absolutely. And, Anita, I think it's a really good point because so many people through the years never gave Steph any respect for the way he plays defensively. And early in his career, you can understand why. He was just shooting all over the place, but his defense was never really good, frankly. But that's just not the case in these last couple of years, especially this season and in playoffs. It's just a false narrative around Steph that he can't play defense. He's actually become a pretty good defender. And so when you're trying to figure out how that balances out going into tonight and moving forward in the series, look no further than how he looks when he's going up against Tatum or Jalen Brown or Smarter or whomever it may be because you need Steph defensively a lot with this group. And that's on top of what they need him to give offensively, which is 30 points. So it's a really tough balancing act given where the Warriors are in this series. They have got to win this game tonight. It's just going to be something fascinating to see because of how dependent they've become on steps on both ends of the floor. It's really unbelievable. And and let's talk about some of the supporting cast, right? Like we, we mentioned Clay. He, he's been a shell of himself. I know he had that unbelievable game against Dallas, but outside of that, 
um, it's it's really it's it's been lackluster. And and if if the Golden State Warriors have any chance, I think of winning tonight because there's so many question marks surrounding Curry and and his injury. Uh, Clay's gonna have to step up. And I don't know about you, I just I don't have a lot of confidence in it. I tend to agree, and Anita is kind of sad because everybody thought, all right, Clay would knock off the rust over the last few months as he makes his way back. And what we've seen is that those great performances are still within him. And we saw it in that Dallas series that you mentioned. But more often than not, you just don't know what you're going to get from him. And he's still capable offensively of providing the big nights. But I think the difference also, we're talking about Steph's defense being better, Clay's defense isn't exactly the same. And when you go through the type of injuries that he's gone through, it usually takes at least another year for him to get back to the level or close to that he once was. But I'm with you, and that's why I thought the Celtics were going to win before the series. I think it's even stronger now, only because I don't know where the answer is coming from. So many people were so high on Jordan Poole throughout the regular season and had some nice playoff games. But Anita, he almost is unplayable at times because they're just torching him defensively. So whatever he's giving them offensively, which hasn't been that much in this series aside from the college game too, it's just not worth the risk uh, to leave him out there. So there are different, a lot of different factors in play. But if you're trying to get more from play, I don't know if that's realistic given where he is in his rehab progression now. Nick Friedle joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. You can see him all over ESPN doing a phenomenal job covering all things NBA in this postgame. Let's talk about Draymond Green. Dude scares me. Like, what? <laughs> Nick, what is wrong with this guy? Like, you know, his I, – I understand what he's trying to uh, create in regard to, like, that presence. And, and I'll, maybe, you know, maybe I'm going way too far back here, but, like, the Detroit Pistons of old, like those bad boys, like that kind of, like, fiery – but but I, I think he's 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 hindering. Like I think he's hurting the Golden State Warriors more than helping. And his I, I, I hate to call it like ooh your behavior, right? I sound like, but I, I just I, I I think it's counterproductive. Anita, the takeaway quote from this entire series may well be y'all going to get this podcast <laughs> no matter what happens. Y'all going to get this podcast. And I, I got to know Draymond a little bit over the last few years covering the Warriors before I, I came to New York. And he, he just is that guy. I think when Draymond feels threatened or people are questioning his game, he's going to double down. And that's what we've seen in the last couple of days. He was terrible, admittedly so, the other night in, in game three. And the crowd got to him. And he's saying, oh, well, I, I live rent-free in the crowd's head. Well, the crowd got to Draymond. It was obvious in the way he was playing. And the bigger issue for the Warriors is all the flaws that Draymond had on the offensive end that were there all season long, they're there even more now. And nobody trusts him to go hit the shots anymore like they once did a few years ago. On top of that, he's just not playing the same defensively right now that, that – we saw at times earlier in the season. So there are a lot of different things that are, are going in the wrong direction for Draymond. The difference is nobody would be talking about this podcast if he played well. Because he's played so poorly, that's getting even more attention. And the only way for everybody to shut up about it 
is for him to go out and, and have a great game tonight. And given the way he's played, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, you, you and me both. Let, let's, let's, let's talk about what's going on with Boston here for a second. This last game, 15 offensive rebounds that, uh, that, that equated to uh, 22 uh, second-chance points. Um, they are just, they've just been so dominant. At the same time, I'm, I'm really curious to get your thoughts. I, I think a lot of that has to do with Robert Williams, right? And this is the first game that now he's on a back-to-back with only a 24-hour 20, turnaround time. And I, I did a deep dive in regard to how they use Robert Williams on games like this. So he played almost 25 minutes, right? And when, when, you, when he plays 20, 25 minutes – and then he turns around on a, a following game that's only a 24-hour rest period. He typically only plays 14 minutes. So one of my favorite prop bets tonight, by the way, is um, under blocks and steals, two and a half blocks and steals for him. But, you know, I, I think he's such a, an important part of, of their defense. And, again, the fact that they got 22 points on second-chance opportunities because they got 15 offensive rebounds. Curious to get your thoughts in regard to the physicality that Boston's been playing with, um, more so than the Golden State Warriors, and how they've just dominated in regard to rebounding. Well, Anita, I think it's, it's been unbelievably crucial for the Celtics in not only why they've had success against the Warriors, but through this postseason run. They're just tough. They are a strong, physical team. They are long. They are very athletic, and they can switch everything defensively. But the, the point on Robert Williams is very well taken because Williams sets the tone of what they want to do down low on those blocks. And when he is able to get up and down and move, they're just a different team. And so often in this series, you can see early on, you know, we, we, we started the conversation talking about Steph and how he looked early in this game. You can usually see with Robert Williams how that needs to how he's moving. If he's moving all right, they just look that much better. So the thing that I've noticed in this series, though, and this is the difference between this iteration of the Warriors and past ones, Celtics aren't scared of the Warriors. And so often you and I would see watching those Warriors teams with KD and even those couple years before, teams would get on the floor and they'd be like, (laughs) we don't want any part of this team. The Celtics are young and they are mentally pretty tough. And the difference for them on top of the defense is if they keep control of the ball and don't turn it over, they win. When they turn it over and they're throwing it all over the place, they let teams back in, and usually they lose in this postseason. So that's always the sell as well. But Williams being healthy and moving up and down against a, a tough, offensive-minded Warriors group is a gigantic key going into tonight. Yeah, you talk about the turnovers. Marinating that in, in this for our listeners, Boston, anytime they're in a game where they have 15 or more turnovers, they're 0-5 in the postseason. Under 15 turnovers, they're 14-2. Uh, the, the other stat I want to throw out to you is we know just how great the Golden State Warriors are in the third quarter, right, and how horrible Boston is. Boston in the third quarter is a negative 45-point differential. However, they are so dominant in the second quarter they have a plus 70 differential where they're 14-6-1 in the second quarter. So um, so needless to say, you know where my money's rolling tonight. That's the Boston Celtics second quarter, minus one and a half. 
Um, with that being said, before we let you go, uh, your, your thoughts on this game. Boston is favored by four. The over-under is at 214, 214 and a half. Um, if you were to play this tonight, Nick, how would you play it? I would probably roll with Boston, Anita. I just feel like they have the momentum. I, I know how tough the Warriors can be. I just don't believe that Steph is healthy, and I don't think there is another answer offensively for the reasons that you and I outlined. Clay, you just can't trust right now. Poole has been really a, a level or two below where they were hoping he would be. Andrew Wiggins has put out about the same numbers, but he's never going to take over some game. It's all reliant on Steph. I think that the Celtics know if they get this one, they're a team that just doesn't lose two in a row. To try and win three straight against them would be incredibly difficult. That garden is going to be rocking all night, and I just don't like the momentum or lack thereof that the Warriors have coming into this game. So I would probably roll with the Celtics knowing how tough that Warriors group can be, but I just think it's Boston. Nick, thank you so much for spending some time with us this evening, breaking down this game that folks will be able to listen to right here on 98.7 ESPN. Have a fantastic weekend, my friend. Always great to be with you. You got it. Nick Friedel joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. We get back. Um, I'll share with you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm locking step with Nick. I'm going to lay the points with the Boston Celtics. I'm going to minus four. Like I said, I'm going to play them in the second quarter because they've just been so dominant at minus one and a half, and you can get that at plus 105. I'm also going to play the under at 214. Why? Well, Curry, as Nick and I were talking about, not healthy, so I don't think you're going to have those offensive points for the Golden State Warriors um, also, I, I think uh, I think the Warriors are going to come in and, and play a lot better defense. I think Looney's going to play a lot more minutes. So And, and I think this is going to be a slower-paced game. So I like the under at 214, 214 and a half. We come back. I'll continue with your calls, 800-919-3776. And I'll share with you uh, my favorite. I have three, uh, three prop bets, player prop bets, that I really like tonight that I'll share with you as well. Nita Marks with you on this Friday night, getting you ready for uh, for this NBA uh, championship game to uh, to to see uh, you know ha- where where the series series goes as we know right now Boston up two one um, do they go up three one tonight chances are they do eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six Anita Marks with you ninety eight point seven ESPN We've got a big race taking place tomorrow of course it's the Belmont and a few ways that you could play it. Uh, one is betting on the lady. That's right. So uh, smaller field here, but larger race. What do I mean by larger? Lo- longer distance, I should say, right? This is the longest of the three. It's 1.5. So so what are you looking for here when trying to, you know, whenever you try to wager uh, in, in horse racing, you're always looking for good value, right? Um, and so, I mean, eight to one, and, and hopefully that'll be, you know, the, uh, the line when, uh, at post time, that would be great. Um, not sure, you know, who knows what happens. Folks head out to Belmont, uh, word spreads. I, I think, I think a, a number of people like betting on a Philly. I think they like the idea of a Philly beating all the Colts. Um, so I, I don't know if that line will be eight to one at post time, but hopefully it will be, um, you know, Rich Strike is, uh, is you know, of, of course, a horse that really surprised a lot of folks in the Kentucky Derby, right? Um, and um, 
but when, when you look at how that race went down, first things first, right? Late entrance uh, into the race because another horse backed out. You had 20 horses in that field, uh, just super, super packed. Um, and the, the jockey probably ran his, his best race of his, his entire career. And obviously he won the Kentucky Derby. So I know I'm not, I'm stating the obvious, uh, but, but just the way that, that the race unfolded in epicenter, it maybe broke too soon. The lane opened up, the jockey was able to get in. And we saw Rich Strike, of course, win the Kentucky Derby, which was a, a huge surprise. And then, of course, the Preakness was a few weeks later, and early voting was able to win that one. So, you know, so so who do I have uh, winning the uh, the Belmont tomorrow? Again, you know, maybe I'm betting with my heart here as well as my head. Uh, and uh, because, come on, it's it's always fun when you see a filly out there strutting her stuff and, and trying to beat the fellas. And so that's where I'm going to roll with Nest to win or place tomorrow um and you could get her to win at eight to one again you want to find value and i think you can find value in this filly now uh, this horse is trained by todd pletcher so it's got a great trainer um jose ortiz is going to is, is going to be the jockey and the ownership group is uh is is the um mr vitamin water as a number of people like to call him uh and from what i understand it's a really really great ownership group and this this owner would not race nest in this race against the, the fellas unless they really absolutely felt that she had a legit shot of winning. Uh, this is what is being communicated to me. Um, also, they saved her for this race. What do I mean by that? Uh, this is a distance race. As I said, it's 1.5. It's the longest of the three. And her pedigree, she's a descendant of Curlin. Curlin, a distant horse. You know, these are the kind of horses you like to, to see. What does that mean? You know, horses that have that stamina, that can that can turn it on after they take that final stretch, and uh, and they've got that quote unquote closing speed. So, um, so definitely the pedigree is there. Um, you know, everything I've heard about this horse is that she's a complete freak. She won the uh, the Grade One Ashland, but unfortunately came in second to Secret Oath in the Kentucky Oaks. Um, this is a horse that can sit forward. She's got the ability to make an early run. And really, if, if of course, Ortiz runs, you know, rides her the proper way, um, can really win this, which I, I think would be a lot of fun. So again, I'm going to bet Nest 8-1 to one for her to win in place. I'm also going to play an exacta box with Nest, who's the three horse. Uh, we, the people, the one horse, which is the each, 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 triple crown there's always a quote-unquote wise guy horse right like the wise guys have some kind of inside information or the majority of the wise guys money is uh, is going on that horse and 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 for this race tomorrow it is we the people and that's the number one horse and um and then also i'm going to play the exacta box with the number six horse and that's modonagal so uh, we the people um won the peter pan stakes on this track at belmont and went wire to wire. So this this is the race that doesn't have a lot of speed. So We the People is the speed in this race. Also, his pedigree is for distance as, as well. So that's a great one-two punch right there. Um, its sire was Constitution, which was a descendant of Tappet. And here's an interesting little stat for you. Five of the last eight Belmont winners have had Tappet bloodline. Five of the last eight, it just goes to show you genetics, it's, 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 it's a really phenomenal thing. 
Um, and so we, the people to me, I, I think I'm going to use, I'm going to use that one horse in my exact box play. And last but not least, Modonigal, I'm going to use as well. That's another Pletcher horse. Um, I ride Ortiz is going to be the jockey and, uh, and, and also Modonigal beat the Preakness winner early voting in a previous race. So those are the three horses that I'm eyeing. Oh, we, we do. We have Dan. Okay, great. So Dan Torgman is joining us from ABR. Enough listening to me. Dan's the expert. <laughs> so Dan, welcome in. How you doing? I am doing good. I, I just uh, I just sent you guys a message. I apologize. The phone died, got stuck in traffic, nightmare situation. But I did catch all of your pedigree angles there, and I am super impressed. It doesn't sound like you need me. Well, I get all my information from you. What are you, t- what are you talking about? I wouldn't have any of this information if it wasn't for you and ABR. So, again, Dan Torgeman <laughs> joining us here on 90.7 ESPN. Uh, I've been working with ABR now for a few years. I've been working with Dan, and I just I can't say enough wonderful things about them as a company and the insight and information they offer uh, on a, uh, a day-to-day ba- basis and week-to-week basis, especially for those. You know, there's a lot of people out there listening right now. You know, you might not always go to the track. You might not gamble every, every week, but it's always fun to gamble uh, when it comes to the Triple Crown. And, and of course, again, this is the last leg, uh, one, one and a half miles. It's the longest. So without further ado... Uh, break it down for us. How are you playing uh, the Belmont Stakes tomorrow, Dan? Yeah, you know, I, I think you captured a lot of the highlights there. You know, the main storyline is Rich Strike coming back after skipping the Preakness, obviously an upset winner in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, when people ask me, here we are now five weeks later, how did that horse win the Kentucky Derby? You know, it, it wasn't just dumb luck. It, it wasn't just some, you know, you know, lightning striking. It, it, there, there were reasons. And I think the two primary reasons were that the pace was extremely fast and it benefited him as a horse who likes to come from off the pace and close. And there's also his pedigree, which indicates that he's a horse who is going to go longer. And the longer he goes, the better he was going to get. And so that second point does benefit him in a race like the Belmont Stakes, where they're going even longer. Now they're going a mile and a half. What he doesn't have going for him here is that the pace will not be as fast as it was in the Kentucky Derby. I mean, you think about it, there are 20 horses in the Kentucky Derby. There are only going to be eight horses in the Belmont Stakes. Only one of them is a clear-cut speed horse. That's We the People, the favorite that we've uh, touched on here, breaking from the rail. Uh, But other than that, it's hard to envision a situation in which the pace gets fast enough to where a horse like Rich Strike is going to come and do the same thing that he did in the Kentucky Derby. So for me, um, even though he's training well, he looks good, um, the buzz around the track is that Rich Strike, you know, might be better than, than we realized he was. And then maybe he's, you know, he, he is going to run another big race. Picturing him winning the Belmont Stakes, I think it's still a bit of a stretch. And so for me, um, you know, you touched on some of the, uh, the pedigree angles. Um, we the People is by Constitution, who's, who's a Tappet himself, who's by Tappet. And so we, the people, um, has some of that pedigree on the top side and the bottom side, as we say, the, the Dan side, the mayor, the mother side. Uh, she, uh, she was by Tisnow. It's another um, sort of long-distance pedigree there. Um, and so all the signs point to we, the people. But for that reason, he's going to be the favorite. It's no fun to bet favorite. So I think we're going to have to get creative and bet maybe an exacto or trifecta here. So, so with that being said, um, how, how are you going to play this race tomorrow? 
Um, I, so I, I do like We the People a lot. I think he goes to the lead and stays there for a long time. The horse that's the value play for me um, is the filly, Nest. I, I really like Nest a lot. Um, good pedigree, again, for this kind of race. Curlin out of an AP Indy mare, a long-distance pedigree. And she's one who was absolutely dominant in her races leading up to the Kentucky Oaks, which is sort of the Kentucky Derby for the female horses. She finished second in the Kentucky Oaks. Um, and, you know, I think she has every right to take a step forward. She comes in with that similar uh, five-week break, so she's well-rested. She's trained by Todd Fletcher, who has won the Belmont Stakes three times. He's also won it with a filly. Um, and I think she has the right running style where she's not going to be too far off the pace. And I think she can, she can stay close enough to where she can make a move late. As long as she keeps we the people in her sights, I think she's got a shot to win. And so I'm going to focus on exactas where um, I use we the people and Ness. And then I'm going to expand out and play some saver exactors with a horse named Creative Minister, who we talked about before the Preakness. Creative Minister finished third in the Preakness. To my eyes, that track that day didn't favor horses coming from off the pace. And he was one of the few horses who made a really nice sustained move from off the pace that day. And he's a horse who's taking steps forward with each race that he runs. So Creative Minister, for me, I think is a logical horse to use in exactas. Uh, the two other horses worth mentioning, Mo Donegal, finished fifth in the Kentucky Derby. Um, he's also trained by Todd Fletcher. Um, I don't know that he has quite the pedigree to win this race, but he's a horse who's going to be coming from off the pace and who should make an impact late. And then, you know, you've got, uh, uh, we mentioned Rich Strike. You've got Barbara Road, who's another horse coming out of the Kentucky Derby, finished sixth. He's also one who I think will make a move late. I also don't think he's good enough to get into the money. Um, I think he's going to flatten out, and um, he probably finishes fourth or fifth in the race. So for me, um, I'm going to be betting exactas with the one and the three. That's We the People and Ness. And then I'm also going to be doing some saver exactas, exactas where I use the one and three, We the People and Ness, over the five, Creative Minister, and then also the other way around, where maybe creative, creative Minister takes another step forward and is able to actually win this race with Ness and We the People finishing second and third. Great stuff. Again, Dan Torgman joining us here on 98.70 ESPN. You can see him all over America's Best Racing. Um, and uh, check them out, their website. They just have a plethora of information, can guide you every step of the way in regard to um, not just the the the, uh, the the big race tomorrow at, at Belmont, but, of course, a number of races in between. So before we let you go, I know there's two other races you're eyeing here. Let's look at race number nine, the Metropolitan Handicap, and there's a horse here, Flightline, that you really like. Yeah, so Flightline, he really is like the the, the new hot thing, uh, but and he's been the new hot thing for a while. It's just that he's had um, some like setbacks. He's had some injuries that he's had to work through. So the three races he's run, he's won by a combined 37 and a half lengths. So uh, to give some perspective, everyone knows that famous shot of Secretariat winning the Belmont Stakes by 31 lengths, which is like, you know, you can't even see the horse in second. Well, yeah, he didn't win one race by, by that distance, but combined he's won by 37 and a half lengths. And each race that he's won, he's been absolutely dominant. He's super fast. No one can stay with him. He's going to be a short price, too, but I think there's a good chance here where you could really hammer an exacta and, and take the horse who's going to finish second. Um, and I'm, I like a long shot to finish second. A horse named Happy Saver, the four horse, he's one who runs well at Belmont, has won three of his four races at Belmont. He also won his only race at this distance, which was also at Belmont. 
going a mile. Um, so happy saver for me, I think, rounds out what could be a nice exacta. It's not going to, you know, you're not going to retire, but it'll give you some money to uh, uh, to bet on the Belmont stakes. So just kind of a bit of a bankroll builder. So I would bet a heavy exacta there, one four, flight line over happy saver. And last but not least, race number 10, the Manhattan. It's another race that's a lot of fun to bet. Mile and a quarter on the turf. I could see a couple different scenarios here. I'm going to go with two horses here in Exacta. The first horse I'm going to go with is the four, Adamo. This one was the favorite in the turf classic um, on Derby Day um, and finished third in that race after making a really strong move. He gets another race under his belt for Chad Brown with Flavian Pratt riding, who's been sort of Chad Brown's number one turf rider here the past month or so on the East Coast. And um, I think uh, past couple of months, actually, I think Adamo is going to be really tough and, and should take a step forward. And then I like Tribuvan, the seven horse, uh, also for Chad Brown, almost won this race last year, got caught late. Um, he finished a, a fading or tiring fifth, I would say, in that turf classic that I mentioned a moment ago. Um, he comes back here. It's his second race of the year. Should have more, you know, more underneath him. And should be able to, to to take him a bit longer on the lead. I think he's going to be alone on the lead again. I think he's dangerous. So for me, four seven exact uh, in the tenth uh, race, the, uh, the Manhattan. Fantastic. Again, Dan Torgman joining us here at ninety eight point seven ESPN. Dan, why don't you let our listeners know exactly where can they find you? Where can they find America's Best Racing? Where are you guys going to be um, all day at Belmont? What information are you going to be providing? All that good stuff. So at America's Best Racing, we like to, to teach and entertain and have fun with the races, also take people behind the scenes. So to that point, um, we're going to be behind the scenes tomorrow with uh, some of the owners of We the People, the favorite in the Belmont Stakes. We're going to have cameras on them, and we're putting out content uh, all day long, social media. You can catch us on Twitter at ABR Live. You can catch us on all the other social media channels at America's Best Racing is, is our handle. And um, then go to americasbestracing.net, and there you'll find not only analysis and previews of the Belmont Stakes, you'll find the races I just talked about, the Met Mile, the Manhattan, and a bunch of other stakes races. So if you want to bet or if you just want to follow some cool storylines and learn a little bit more about the races, go to americasbestracing.net. It's all there for you. Great stuff, Dan. Appreciate you, and enjoy. Have a fantastic day tomorrow at the track. Thanks, Nito. Apologies for the... Uh, no, the no, all good. It happens. It ha- Stuff happens. I'd say something else. It's a family show. It's all good. Appreciate <laughs> you, my friend. <laughs> all right. Good luck to everyone Thank out you. there. You got it. Dan Torgman joining us here at 90.7 ESPN ABR. Nina Marks with you. It is uh, Weekend Wager brought to you by BetMGM Sports. Enough talk. Believe in your game. Believe in your bet. BetMGM Sports. Without further ado, David Behrman joins us here. Again, the gatekeeper of all things gambling at ESPN. He oversees our chalk site, and he is on fire, baby, when it comes to uh, picking winners uh, and it, when, when it comes to uh, the PGA Tour. David, first things first. Um, so this is we're heading into week three where you potentially called the winner. That is correct. I had a JT at the PGA Championship a couple of weeks ago, took the next week off with everything else that we have going on. And last week, picked Billy Horschel. Uh, picked him Friday night. I like to wait a couple of days to see what happens. And he uh, not only did I pick him to win, but I had him to be the third-round leader with Cashed as well. And we're looking for, for a three-peat. We have a pre-flop. We have uh, Sam Burns and, and, and Matt Fitzpatrick. And quite frankly, I still like them both. I know uh, Fitzy kind of 
hurt you there at the end. I know that was your best bet on the show this morning. He bogeyed the last three holes to cost you the, the win versus, uh, I believe it was Lowry today. Yep. Uh, but I have Fitzpatrick at 16 to one and, and Burns at 16 to one. And, and, and I like them both heading into the weekend. Uh, Burns scrapped out a minus one today. He didn't drive the ball very well off the tee. Uh, Fitzy was, was on fire and had the lead until he gave uh, a couple of shots back at the end, which I know hurt you, but um, I still like them both. I think there's still value there. And I was a little confused looking at the odds just before you called. Um, they're both tied at, at minus eight yet, like, uh, sorry, at minus six. Yet Fitzy is about plus 450, and, and Burns is the guy who's won three times this year, is, is, is down at 12 to 1. So there's tremendous value on Sam Burns right now. I don't know if it's because of his struggles off the tee, uh, but those two are tied, and the difference is, you know, plus 450 versus 12 to 1. Um, that's a big difference. So a lot of value there on Sam Burns to win again. Maybe that's why, because I don't think he can win again, but this is a perfect course for him as well. Yeah, um, I, I liked Fitzpatrick coming in. I like Burns coming in. I like Tony Finau coming in as well. Um, Datagoff has Rory with a 19% chance of winning this tournament, by the way. He's uh, second in, uh, he's first in strokes gain total, second in putting, which is really uh, tremendous because he's been struggling with his flat stick as of late. So if he's been able to turn it around, interesting to see what he's going to do over the weekend. Fitzpatrick has an 18% chance of winning from Data Goff. Uh, second in strokes gain total, first off the tee, fourth tee to green. And of course, uh, looking for his first win on U.S. soil. Um, also first in scrambling. And then, uh, and then Burns is eighth total, fourth around the green, seventh tee to green. He has a 5% chance of winning this bad boy. I also like Sam Burns the, to finish the in the top. I also like Sam Burns to finish Sorry, in the top five. Top five at plus two twenty five. By the way, so I mean I've been all over Burns this week. I have him top ten. I also have him to win, as stated before. The interesting thing about Rory is Rory's problem over the last couple of years has always been one bad round. He's had one bad round in almost every single event, minus the Wells Fargo that he won last year, and he hasn't had that one bad round yet this week. Thursday and Friday, he's been fine. Rory's the guy that, after blowing up on one day, he's got to shoot a 64 at Augusta just to finish T2. Um, if he doesn't have that bad round, the way he's playing, and like you said, he's, he's second in putting, uh, he, he's been known to win events prior to majors. When everybody else is using it as a tune-up, and with the U.S. Open next week, maybe this is Rory's week. It's just hard for me at plus 350 with a guy who has not had his bad round yet this week. Uh, not tremendous value, but if he keeps playing the way he's playing, it's hard to dismiss that. Uh, I'm going to throw one more name at you because, you know, I love giving you Friday night plays on the show. I uh, did it a bunch of times last year where you can watch the guys for two days, look at their stats like you've been doing, handing out those numbers and trying to play it. And it's what I did with Billy, Billy Horschel last week when I saw his shots game stats. I'm looking at Shane Lowry, who I had already taken as a top 10 play this week. And to, to be honest, I already have him as a uh, 20 to one shot next week at the U S open. I think the course is perfect for him at Brookline looking at his shots gained very, very, very similar to what Billy Horschel was looking at last Friday's right there in the top five off the tee, uh, top five tee to green top five um, <clears throat> approach and struggling with the putter where I believe he's 60th right now in shots gained with the putter the about where Billy Horschel was last week where he was, one, two, or three in all those key numbers, approach, tee to green, and off the tee, yet he hadn't made any putts Thursday and Friday. And my philosophy last week, not foolproof, 
was if a putt or two goes down, Billy Horschel's going to win this tournament. I'm going to say the same thing, Anita, about Shane Lowry. Has not putted well. He's lost 1.7 shots to the field in putting. If a putt or two starts dropping, Shane Lowry's going to win this tournament because that's the only thing he's missing. It's a lot easier to fix the putter than it is to fix the swing when you're swinging well. We've seen Shane Lowry swing well. If he can get, like Billy Horschel did, the guy was on fire last Saturday and Sunday. You saw the eagle he had on Sunday to put it away. If Lowry can make a couple of putts, I'm not saying he will, I think getting him at 13, 14, 15 to 1, depending on your book of choice, could pay off dividends as he's only a couple of shots back. Yeah, that was a big reason why I I, I had Fitzpatrick today um, over uh, over Lowry coming in. He was ninety seventh in strokes game putting. He had a horrible round one with his putter, and he's been struggling as of late. So we'll see what happens. Um, I've only got about five minutes left. I want to look big picture here. Thursday, the U.S. Open begins. John Rahm as well as uh, Justin Thomas are favored at twelve to one. Rory and uh, Shoffley are fourteen, along with Scheffler. Hovland comes in at 22 with Cantlay and Dustin Johnson and Cam Smith. Uh, you know, these are the guys at the top of the leaderboard. Anybody that you are eyeing right now is we're just a few few days away from uh, our third major of the season. Like I said a few minutes ago, I already have uh, a pick on Shane Lowry in the 20s to, to win just because I think the course fits him very nicely. If he can, he's obviously going to have to putt well. Um, I think this, this course is lined up very well for Matt Fitzpatrick again, who, by the way, won the U.S. Amateur here a couple of years back. So he's won on this course before. And it's it's funny to me, this course has drastically changed from the time that some of these guys have played it. So a lot of these guys haven't seen it the way it's set up now as they've used different holes. Uh, but I think this is a course that's good for JT. Uh, it's a course that is good for Colin Morikawa if he can find his game again. He's been brutal the last couple of weeks, but this does fit him if he finds his game. Uh, liking Shane Lowry, and you can never discount what Scotty Scheffler might do, considering the guy's in play everywhere, and he's won a bunch of tournaments in this neck of the woods. Um, one name I'm going to throw out there, and I know we're not supposed to speak of him because he decided to go play in the Live Tour, uh, Dustin Johnson. This course fits Dustin Johnson's game. He's won many times in the Northeast. He's won the Northern Trust. He's won the Travelers. He plays well on the Northeast courses, which are, of course, tree-lined, narrow fairways, lots of nooks and crannies, small greens. He's played well on Northeast courses. It fits his game pretty well, and then he has that little chip, the little chip that he was banned, and he's the Darth Vader. He's on the other side, and, you know, you can't underestimate what it would mean to Dustin Johnson, who, you know, joined Phil and turned Phil over there on the live tour, to come back and win a U.S. Open. When he is still eligible, we have no idea what's going to happen next year with the majors. But we'll throw that one out there. He's getting 28 to 30 to 1. Might be because people have forgotten about him. Might be because he hasn't won much this year. Or it's just because they think, you know, too much, too much negative. But don't underestimate what trying to prove. Throw it right back at the PGA Tour. And, and I'm not saying he's right or wrong. I'm just saying I, don't, I wish none of these guys had come over there. But that's a long price for a guy who plays very well on Northeast-type courses and has won up here before. Again, David Behrman joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. I've got about two minutes left in the segment. Um, again, you oversee all our content on Chalk, which is our gambling site. Uh, what, what, what are some of the, the top plays that came in with a number of our analysts uh, for tonight's game uh, for this, of course, the Celtics uh, I mean, and the Warriors? 
top to bottom, our entire stack is on Boston Celtics. I think it's based on what they saw. Joe Fortenbach, who was on Daily Wager earlier today with you, made a very good point um, that but the Celtics didn't really have a good game last uh, in game in game uh, three. Um, didn't do anything special. Didn't shoot great. Didn't play great defense. Allowed Steph Curry to do Steph Curry things, and they still won by 16. Um, and here they are, only playing four at home. You know how good the Garden is. I, I just don't. I'm not a Celtics guy. I'd rather the Warriors wouldn't have a bigger future on them. But it's hard to discount the fact that Boston has outstayed Golden State in, in this series. Uh, Tyler Fulton picked the Celtics to win the first half since Warriors don't play well in the first half. Obviously, you're going to want to play the Warriors in the third quarter. This is the best third-quarter team of all time. Um, and and I, I know there's a couple of props out there. But for the most part, uh, Aaron likes Jalen Brown props, and, and all the people on the desk likes the Celtics. And I can see why. They're at home. They've outplayed the Warriors so far, and Steph Curry's banged up. And even with – Steph Curry and Clay Thompson going bananas in game three, and they still lost by 16. So um, I hope that the Warriors can even the series out so we can have a nice long series, which will help all of our bonuses. But um, I think the Celtics are just playing better right now. Great stuff, David. Always appreciate you. Enjoy your weekend, and uh, and, and hopefully this uh, this goes 3-0 and for you. That would be nice. So nice. Let's hope uh, Matty Fitzpatrick can win one or Sam Burns win one, and we'll throw some corn on the tonight. There you go. Again, uh, David Berman joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Weekend Wager with Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN.